church. All right, like four people excited to be here. That's awesome. We're glad that you're here. Uh, as you can already tell, uh, today is going to be a little different uh, than what we typically do here at Fusion City Church um, because I'm seated. Um, and because there's like five other people up here and there's a table. And so uh, if you haven't been with us for the last several weeks, um, what we've been kind of leading up to for this week is this idea that as we talk about family, as we try to figure out what family looks like and how to, to live up to the ideals that Jesus set, um, the how, how do we do that? How do we begin to close that gap between what's ideal and what's real? And so every week during this series, we've told you that on the final week, uh, that you would have the opportunity to hear not only from, from me or one of the other pastors, but also from the pastor's wives. And so we've got them up here with us today. Can we show a little love? Y'all, y'all going to have to give them some love. They're, they're like most of them, all, most all of them are, um, they, they love to be behind the scenes kind of thing. Uh, so this is, is completely terrifying. We kind of forced them into it. And uh, so we're, we think it's going to be a good time, and we know that they have a lot of wisdom to offer. And so what we've done is for the last several weeks ask you to submit your questions. Um, hey, as we're walking through families, we're talking about family. What, what are some of the things that you want to know that maybe we haven't covered uh, during the last five weeks? And so that's what today is all about. Now, we got a lot of questions. So we tried to combine some of them to answer multiple questions in, in one opportunity, and some of them have, we had to, to, to leave out just for the sake of time. And so um, we're going to continue this conversation. This isn't the last day that we'll take questions or anything like that, but um, we're just going to jump in uh, for the sake of time and, and, and handle some of the questions uh, that, uh, that you've submitted over the last couple of weeks. And so question number one was, uh, how do you handle the stress? And when you got multiple children, how do, you, how do you manage that stress and still find time alone for each other? Quentin, why don't you speak to that for us? All right. How are you guys doing today? Good, good. Yes, good. All right, so it was four people, now one person. Yeah. So we're, yeah, we're not doing We're, well. we're moving in the right we're direction, cool. I think. So, no, um, multiple kids in the house is, is pretty complicated. You, you guys may or may not know, Marie and I have an 11-year-old little girl and a 2-year-old little boy. And uh, so we do have multiple kids. And um, so th- the thing for us is that we have to be very, very intentional about building adult relationships, connections within connect groups. We, got, we talk about that all the time. Um, uh, Brian, Jonah, and I, our families are very close to each other. We build very close adult um, connections. And when that happens, then we can go to each other and say, hey, I need a break from my kids. Right? Anybody there? Right? I need a break from my kids, and I need you to take them. So then we just dump our kids off at somebody else's house, and we have a family date night or a couple date night, all right? It's hard. It's hard to do that. We have family. A lot of times they're unavailable. We have to find other sources, other means. So you guys, please, please have healthy connections with other adults so that you can strategically have um, adult date nights with your spouse. Got it? Adult date nights. Husbands, you know it now. You're responsible for it. All right? Uh, turning up the heat. All right. Well, we're going we're gonna to take an opportunity to hear from the wives. Now, one of the questions that was submitted for, for the, the women specifically um, was, if you could tell a woman who's going to be where you are and in your shoes five years from now, like, what would you tell them? Karis, can we just start with you? That'd be okay. Um, so five years ago, I was graduating college getting ready to get married, um, starting a new job. And so this maybe isn't specifically for women, but it could apply to men too. But I wish I would have had a little better um, financial plan. Um, We 
got jobs and thought we had a lot of money. So <laughs> we paid our bills and just, we went shopping a lot. We ate out a lot. Um, we didn't save a lot of money. So I wish we would have uh, learned how to budget better. Now we stick to a tight budget and we have actually started um, Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace University. It's a great curriculum. Um, so I guess that that's what I would say, but Well, first off, I would say don't marry pastor because he'll make you get up here and talk in front of people. And <laughs> don't clap for that. Um, but um, as a wife and a mom, you just make sure that God is in the center and you continually seek God's guidance on everything you do for your family because he knows how to do it and we don't. Well said. Well, my advice would be to be flexible. Um, when Brian and I first got married, he was a Marine. Um, our lives were in one direction. God had a different plan, so he became a cable installer. Um, I became a teacher, and then all of a sudden he comes home and says, oh, I, I think, think I'm going to quit my job. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that was kind of like, what? Um, so I think God's plans are much more higher than ours, and he knows what he's doing. We do not sometimes. So I think just being flexible with whatever God leads you towards because some days we think we know what's going on and, you know, we really don't. So being flexible and just going under what, going with what he wants for your life. I knew this was going to happen from the beginning. I mean, I just, I knew. So. <laughs> Thanks for telling me. <laughs> That's the bait and switch method. All right. Um, all right. Third question. Uh, does the Bible command or even recommend that everybody should be married? Jonah, you were a, you were a single guy um, more recently than the other two of us. Um, could you speak to kind of what it means biblically to be a, a single guy? Like, is everybody supposed to get married, or, or, or what do you think? Yeah, the Bible actually is pretty clear about that. It's, it's really cool. In our culture and society, it's, it's very weird to be single. It's kind of like everything is sort of pushing to marriage, even so that people that I don't think they're ready for or need to be married, it's just kind of like the next step. Like, oh, I've been dating for this long and all my friends are married. So there's, there's a lot of pressure around that. But the Bible is very clear, uh, specifically in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. So if you have, have some paper, you can write that down if this question applies to you. But Paul addresses the church there, and he talks about singleness as a gift. It's a gift that God gives people. I think that's very contrary to what we think about singleness in our culture. So uh, I think it's all in how you look at it. There's no mandate that you have to get married. There are actually a lot of people in Scripture that weren't married and did great things for God. And Paul goes on to talk about how th there's more things that single people can do than married people can do. For instance, if God calls a person to sell everything they own and move to uh, the plains of Africa to this village for his purpose, God calls you to do that. That's a pretty easy deal if you're a single person. If you're married and have children, that call becomes much more difficult. So I think that God does call people, and it's, it's not only a calling, but it's a gift thing. It should be embraced and celebrated too. So 
so I guess it's accurate to say then that it's not, I mean, there's nothing wrong with if I say, hey, I don't, I have no desire to get married whatsoever. Like, I just want to be single. I mean, the Bible doesn't speak against that. Correct. Yeah. The, I think statistics like 90% of people get married, so you probably are married or going to be, but for sure, that's definitely nothing wrong with that. All right. So uh, question four here. Um, how do you feel about physical punishment to children? So if I do spare the rod, do I really spoil the child? And I'll, I'll speak to that because I love to beat my kids. Um, uh, I'm, I'm just serious. Um, no, no we, we, actually, we actually talked about this a couple of weeks ago. We were talking about kind of the family structure and how God has designed um, you know, the structures inside a family and how we're to submit to authority and how certain authority is to have rights and rule over other individuals. It's the way we're, way we're set up. We submit to government, we just, you know, that kind of thing. And, and in the family, we actually read a verse out of Ephesians chapter 6. I think it was verse 4. And it talked about that we're supposed to both train and give instruction, that we're supposed to discipline and instruct our children, we talked about that a little bit, that you know, when, it mean, when it speaks of training or disciplining a child, that that actually speaks to some kind of physical punishment, whether that be you know, a, a spanking, whether that be a timeout or grounding. We talked about taking the keys away, like some kind of action that accompanies the instruction. And so that every time that there is a correction that needs to be made, that it has to be a both and. That it's not just a go beat my kid because they messed up. And it's not just an always talk to them and tell them what they did wrong. But the combination of both. That, that we are to both instruct them. And then sometimes one of the best ways to learn is if you experience a little bit of pain in whatever way, shape, or form that comes. And so I think it's accurate that we, that we have both um, according to what the scripture teaches. Ryan, do you have a, an example of what that look, might look like for your kids? Like a recent example? Yeah, well, I mean, I'll, just, I'll, I'll be clear and tell you straight up. We spank our kids. Um, we, we're, we are the, we're those people. Uh, now we don't, I was, really was joking about beating our kids. Uh, but we, you know, I always try, in the moment is usually in just my own temper a little bit, kind of Jesus is working on me kind of thing. But um, I, I'll spank my kids, but I've made it, a very, I've been very, very intentional, especially of late, Aaron and I both, that after we discipline our chil- children in the moment, that we go back later and say, all right, do you understand why daddy gave you a spanking? Like, do you understand what you did that was wrong? And I make them tell me. Like, tell me what you did wrong. Tell me why you got a spanking. And so now it's like, oh, I didn't listen, or I was mean to my sister, or, you know, I took daddy's remote, or, you know, I, just kidding. We, we, I, don't, I don't spank them for that. So, uh, yeah, just we want to be really intentional that, that in addition to the physical punishment, that there is an, an instructing part that helps them understand why what they did was wrong. All right, uh, let's take a look at another question here. Uh, what does it look like for a man to be the spiritual leader of his home? Quentin, why don't you fill that one for us? Just look like me. <laughs> isn't, that, isn't that what you were saying? <laughs> ah, okay, so, um, no, the sp- spiritual leader of your home, that's really a, a tricky question, and and we actually sat around a table and, and we were talking through some of the answers and just practically what that might look like. So I thought I would share with you kind of some of the steps that my family, that we're taking um, for that. And um, one, we're praying together as a family. Um, 
It, that's necessary. That's an essential for my family. We will pray together as a family. Typically, it happens when the kids go down um, at night, right before we tuck them in bed, we pray together as a family. And that's teaching my 11-year-old and 2-year-old to pray. And my 2-year-old does pray. Not sure what he says, um, but he prays. And, and that's important. Um, we allow my two-year-old to be a part of that. He picks the order of, of the prayer. Who, who's going to pray first, mom or sis or dad or what? So we, we have him. He can at least pick who's going to go. So we, that's, that's pretty important. What else we do? You don't know? No. Um, the, other thing, the other thing that is, it is pretty important for us is that, um, that our kids attend church. Um, I have an 11-year-old now. She 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 wants to be in church. She enjoys church. She enjoys setup, tear down. She enjoys this life uh, that we force her to live. Uh, I don't know if we force her to like it, but she likes it. All right. Well, hey, but, that's, that's actually a great question. Should as a spiritual leader of your family, mm-hmm. if your what if your child doesn't like? What what if every kid wasn't like Melanie and they don't want to go to church? Should the, should the spiritual leader then sure. force their kids to attend? Sure. For my family, the answer is yes. My family, if you're living in my house, then you're going to attend um, some kind of Christian healthy environment throughout the week. For us, it is, it is this church service, this celebration service on the weekends, and connect group. We have a student connect group, and my daughter will be a part of that student connect group. All right, so speaking of like students and kind of like on, children on the older end of the spectrum, what about when, um, when Melanie starts driving? And you know, she can she can take herself somewhere else or whatever. And would you would you then allow her to attend like another church if she you know, had friends there or whatever, and she wanted to go there instead of coming to Fusion City? Sure. I mean, we don't know why in the world anybody would want to go anywhere other than Fusion City. I but it, hypothetically speaking, yeah. if they wanted to attend somewhere else, would you yeah. would you permit that, or do they need to come to your church? Yeah, that's a, that's a pretty good question. Um, the the short answer is yeah. I, I would allow Melanie to go somewhere, but the rule still would apply. The rule is you have to attend um, a service throughout the week, some type of Christian healthy environment. So I would just me. I, I'm pretty anal analytical. I like to say I, I, I like I, I like to know. I will know what church she's going to. Some of their foundational doctrines. I, I don't want her to come back any more brainwashed than she is when she leaves Fusion City Church. So I, I don't want any competition there. But uh, I, but it's important for us to always stay connected with our kids all the way through the teenage years, know, be a part of their life, know what's going on, but give them that freedom to choose. I think that's pretty important. So. That's good. All right. All right, so uh, here's the next question. Um, we talked a little bit about this just a couple of weeks ago, this, this idea of forgiveness. And so when you've been deeply hurt by somebody that's close to you, parent, close friend, sibling, whatever, what is forgiveness that is carried out look like? What does that practically look like? Jonah, you and I talked about that a little bit this week. Would you just kind of give us some info on that? Yeah, real quick, if you were here, was that two weeks ago? Two weeks. If you were here two weeks ago to hear that sermon, can you just raise your hand if you were? Good. So it looks like about half and half. So. I, I would encourage you, that was one of the best sermons I've ever heard on forgiveness. Uh, so if you weren't here two weeks ago, I would, I would encourage you to go to our website on our podcast and, and listen to that. It was really, really good. But we, we did have a lot of follow-up questions, and even in my Connect group, we had a lot of discussion because we determined that forgiveness in that message, that it's not just forgetting. A lot of times when someone asks you, will you forgive me? It almost feels like they're saying, can we just act like that never happened? And that's not what forgiveness is. 
I think a lot of us, that's a, that's a misconception that a lot of us think. If I forgive someone, then I have to forget that it ever happened. Well, h- how do you do that when, when someone hurts you very deeply? You don't just, it's not like a switch that you flip. So how you do that is, I love the, the prayer that we all prayed together at the end of that. That just said, God, would you change my mind the way that I feel about this person? I think that's step one. Forgiveness is is not forgetting, but we also don't get a, a, a free card to say, you know what, broken relationship, never going to interact with you. You're dead to me. I wish that, you know, I'll never see you again. That's not what forgiveness is because we're told to forgive as we have been forgiven. I don't know about you, but I've done some pretty jacked up stuff in my life, and God was gracious with me. He was patient with me. He offered salvation and, and forgave me. So, I think it's, it's key that there has to be a change in your mind and your heart. You have to say, you know what, I, I'm going to make this choice. And it's me submitting to a process. Like any process, you determine what that looks like. A lot of stuff, I think there are some great tools with counselors and things that can help talk through, especially really, really deep hurts. Like what if somebody, you know, killed a family member of yours? That's a pretty, that's a pretty deep thing. How do you forgive somebody like that? I think having some godly influences and people that you can talk through that process with. What if it's somebody in your family and, and what if your spouse has broken your trust in something? Maybe you found something that they had not told you about. Again, I think bringing a third party into it, whether that be a, a pastor or a, a Christian friend of yours, just to talk through and to help, help the two of you map out a process. So, hey, in you know, if that's broken trust, maybe that means, hey, I'm going to work through this process of forgiving you, but that means that I get your passwords to your email accounts, to Facebook, or maybe that means, hey, you shut your Facebook account down. Uh, there, there are consequences. Forgiveness doesn't eliminate consequences of whatever that hurt is. So I think it's key to remember it's a process and it's a choice, a daily choice. Just like loving someone is a choice, forgiving someone is a choice that you have to make every day in every situation. Is it hard? Yes. But I, I think that God is big enough to change people. If I didn't think that, I'm, I'm kind of uh, doing the wrong gig up here. If, if I didn't believe to my core that God can change any person in any situation, that's what forgiveness is, saying, God, I believe that you can change them. There's still consequences for what happened, but this is a process that, God, I'm willing to walk through to see a relationship restored. Maybe not fully restored, but certainly not writing someone off. That's good. Thank you. All right. Well, the, the people definitely wanted to hear from, from our wives as much as they wanted to hear from us. So we have another wife-specific question. Um, and I think the reason they wanted to hear from the wives is because they, maybe they thought we would lie. I don't, I'm not really sure. Um, uh, but we learned uh, in this series that every family goes through conflict. It's the one thing that's common in every family, every marriage. Um, and so someone wanted to know from our wives, not from us, um, how, how conflict is typically resolved in our homes. I'm so oh. nervous right now. <laughs> Early on in our relationship, um, we decided that I would always be right. So <laughs> we don't have conflict. Easy enough. Easy enough. So... Um, but really, I, <laughs> I tend to, um, explode emotionally, um, initially, 
Um, that could be anger. It could be joy. It could be sadness. And then after I've had some time to think about it, um, I'm a typically pretty logical person. I can talk, talk to someone and work through things. Shut up, Quentin. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, also Jonah reacts to how I react. So if I act like a crazy person, he can get crazy. (laughs) So it's, but I'm just saying for me, it's better if I respond in a good way, in a calm way, then he's better to talk to. And it's easier to talk through things with, but also, um, when things are heated, we sometimes have to take a time out and just separate, don't talk to each other. And then when we've calmed down, we can come back and just discuss things. And it's also important to remember that we're a team and it doesn't matter like who's right. It just matters that we reach a resolution. I'll answer for Marie. (laughs) So that one didn't go very So I let Quentin think he's right and then go fix it after that. Um, I'm more of the peacemaker. He's not as much of the peacemaker. But, um, no, we usually just, we talk through things, um, especially if it's about the kids and we're arguing about that. We don't do it in front of the kids. We wait until that's over, and then they are out of the room, and then we talk about it. And then I, yeah. he finds out that I was right, and then he fixes it. So, I don't know, that's that. Well, unlike um, Karis and Brian, um, I'm also like Marie. I'm, I'm the peacemaker. I try. I do not like conflict. If y'all come that's up true. to me and are mad at me, I'm gonna run. So, um, I do not like yeah, conflict. <laughs> um, so when we disagree, Brian tends to get upset, um, just a little bit. Um, he kind of blows up sometimes, so I will just sit there and just wait. And so basically time is what is on my side when it comes to our arguments. So I try to um, just avoid him for a little while, and then when he's <laughs> calmed down. Um, it works the same way in the office. Yes. <laughs> So we uh, same thing with Marie. We just kind of like talk it out and um, just try to find a resolution when um, we disagree. So, so I think yeah, there's a there's a verse. I think it's in Ephesians. I could be wrong. Don't quote me. But it says you know don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Uh, don't let the sun go down on your anger. Um, don't go to bed angry. Is kind of the, the the principle. And I'm sure you you've heard that in other circles other than in church. And I think that. Um, you're hearing that from our wives, too, that the conflict doesn't go unresolved. It might take a time out. We might need a break. We might, everybody go calm down, go to your corners, you know, and kind of figure it out. Um, but then man, it's, it's a conversation. Now, the conflict resolution is, is a conversation to make sure that, you know, nothing that needs to be said goes unsaid, but that it gets said in the right way. And I think that's great advice. We agreed on when we first got married was that we would never go to bed with angry at each other. So that's one thing that is really has helped us is if we're mad, even if it's 10, 11 o'clock at night. One, two, <laughs> Occasionally, sometimes. So we do not go to bed unless we have just talked it out and come to a resolution. So. That's good. All right. Good advice from the wives. All right. All right. This is, this is one of the most difficult questions I think we got this week, and um, it's, it's tough. So here it is. 
if a married couple is miserable in their marriage, is it better for them to stay married and be unhappy for the rest of their lives, or should they get a divorce, which the Bible speaks about, and be unhappy? Or so, so should they get a divorce and, and, try, and try to find happiness elsewhere? And, man, this is, this is a really complicated question, um, and we talked about it in, in the office this week just trying to get some, some clarity about how we address that. And, and here's where we landed. Um, and happiness comes and goes. You know, ha- happiness, one day I could be happy, some days I'm not. Happiness is, is fleeting. You can't grab hold of it. But you do have the opportunity to make choices. And you can make a new choice every single day on how you're going to live. And so I, I don't ever think that divorce is a guaranteed, like, it, we have to. Like, I don't, I don't think divorce is ever the way out. I think that if a couple is still in the marriage, that it can work. That there, there's something that could be done, but it takes both parties making a choice. That every single day when I get up today, I choose to love my spouse. Love is a choice. The, the reason that God gave us free will, the reason that God gave us the ability to choose him is because that's the only way that we could ever reciprocate the love that God has for us. If God made us love him, it wouldn't be love. If it, was, if it was forced, it would be slavery, not love. And so God gives us a choice. We choose to love. And the same thing happens with our spouse every day. Like I, there are some days that I know it's difficult for Aaron to like me. And we, we, I do. I got a temper some days. I do a lot of stuff wrong. I make some mistakes. There are days that she may not like me very much. But even on those days, she still makes the choice to love me. And I do the same for her. And these men and these women do the same thing for their spouses. We choose to love each other, even when we don't feel like doing it. There's a lot of you that are going to get up and go to work tomorrow morning. And you really don't want to. You don't like it, but you're going to choose to do it because it's what's best for your family. And so I believe that if a couple commits to choosing every single one today, today I'm going to love my spouse in whatever way that looks like. And if I make that same choice Every day, today I'm going to love my spouse. Today I'm going to love my spouse. Write it on my mirror, on the, you know, the, the speedometer in my truck. I got a note or whatever. So whatever you got to do. And today I'm going to choose to love my spouse despite how much I do or don't want to. I'm going to make the choice. Because that's the way that God designed for us to, to have the fulfilled life. If, if we do make the choice to be married, and we talked about being single. If we make the choice to be married, that's forever. The Bible says that in marriage that two become one flesh. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago, uh, that you cannot unone what God has made one. But God does have a design in the marriage where both can not just survive it, but they can thrive in marriage. And if you've gotten to a point in your marriage where like, man, I would just be so much happier if I just weren't with them any longer. Here's what I challenge you to do. Tomorrow or today, whenever, you make the choice. I'm going to love my spouse. If they don't reciprocate it and they don't love me back, I'm going to love them anyway until they won't let me love them anymore. If they choose to leave, that's on them. But I'm going to choose to stay, to fight for my marriage, and I'm going to choose to love my spouse. Even when I don't feel like it, I'm going to choose to do it anyway. I don't think divorce is ever the answer. I think that every marriage can be saved, and that's what God would, that's what he's designed, and that's what he wants. God said, I hate divorce. And why does God hate divorce? Because divorce hurts people. There's never been a divorce where everybody was like, whew, 
Now, I think the question is almost, uh, it gives a, a false perception that once I get divorced, I'm going to be happy. No, you're not. Because divorce hurts people. It, it brings baggage into future relationships. It hurts children if there are children involved. Divorce never helps, never makes anybody happy. It's, it's a way out, but I don't think it's the right way. I think there's a better way, and it's God's plan to stick it out to stay married, to make the choice every single day. I can be happy in my marriage, but it's going to take me making the choice to do that, which I don't feel like doing, kind of in line with forgiveness. We talked about that also. All right. All right, so uh, last question, and again, just for the sake of time, we had so many more, and we'll, we'll cover that in a minute. But we, got, we had lots of questions about teenagers apparently i don't know my my children are seven and five apparently trying to parent and raise teenagers is difficult am i am i just am i way off base with that i don't know so anyway wow okay um so just kind of broad stroke general advice i mean we could preach a message right on how to deal with teenagers um but but just broad stroke advice and quentin you you've got you and Marie have the, the oldest child uh, among us here, kind of entering into those, those teen, preteen years. So just, could you just give us some general advice about how you plan and are planning to, to raise your teenager as she's up and coming? Yeah. Lock, um, her, lock her away until she's 30. Yeah. So, yeah, so I, I have a preteen. We have a preteen, and I don't want to take anything away from you parents that are managing a legit teenager, all right? I don't want to take anything away from you, so don't, don't hear that. But I do think that I, I or we can relate to you a little bit. So Melanie, I'm, we're, we're pretty proud of, of Melanie. She's a, a very smart, mature young lady. And um, she also, she, she tends to be a little mouthy like her dad. She gets, she gets that honest. Um, but with her being this preteen, we, I, I get it. We have to parent differently. It, it's no longer taking her toys away. It, it, that, doesn't, that doesn't work. Uh, that's actually, it gives her a break. Like, all right, good. Um, you know, clean your room. Teenagers, they don't care. Like, I, I would like my two-year-old, I'll go take all of his toys away. He'll be heartbroken. I go clean my daughter's room. She'll thank me for that, you know? <laughs> so I want you to know that I, I, we, get, we get the struggle at, at least what our struggle is now with this this preteen kind of idea. So I, I can tell you some steps that we're going to try, and I believe they're going to be successful, maybe not as ex- successful as we would hope, but at least there's some plans in place. So number one, um, connections are important. You heard me say that earlier about a, another um, question that we had. Connections are vital for your teenagers, all right? I need to make sure that Melanie has some adult influence other than her mom and dad that I trust and that Marie trusts. So our student ministry at Fusion City Church is critical for me to raise a teenager, all right? Um, We are instilling in Melanie, and she is learning to have incredible connections and relationships with our student leaders. It started off with Karis, now it's Maria Russell, and I want those student leader influences in my daughter's life. So one day when she just blows up and mom and dad are the stupidest people in the world, she's going to have someone to, to call 
and that's going to be our student leaders. Guys, don't take that for granted. If it's not student leaders here, then maybe some family that you trust and that you value their influence, and you want to intentionally make that connection. I want Melanie to spend some alone time with Maria or Karis or other student leader females in our student ministry because I want her to have those connections. You guys, you guys get that? Connections are, are vital. Here's another thing that, that I did, all right? I, I'm a man, I'm a problem solver. That's what we do, all right? That, that's who we are. Women don't want us to solve your problems. I get that. And, uh, but we're going to solve them anyway. So one day, one day, Melanie, this young lady, I don't know where she came from, all right? She used to be little. Now she's a young lady. I, I walked in the house. She was sitting on the couch. And uh, Melanie, do I have your permission to tell this story? Thank you. All right, so, so she, was, she, was sitting, she was sitting on the couch, and uh, she was, like, balled up in this fetal position, just bawling her eyes out. I'm like, all right, fine, I'll fix this. What's the matter with you? And Marie just looked at me and went. I said, Marie, from now on, from now on, this is your problem. You take care of it. I don't understand women. I don't understand teenagers. I don't know what's going on. You fix it. And that was really healthy for me. All right? So, so that, that was my peacemaker coming out. All right? So, so after that, after that, Marie and I had a serious conversation. And seriously, there's a time in my relationship with my daughter and my wife that I have to completely trust my wife to be able to manage some of the emotional things that are going on with my teenage daughter. And there's some things that I want to fix every single problem that Melanie encounters with school and all kinds of stuff. I want to fix all those, but I realize that I can't. I'm not equipped to do that. My wife was a young teenage lady at one time. She understands what's going on, so my wife is going to take, take that. Parents, you have to team up with your, with your students. You have to be on the same page. You have to make sure that you guys have a common objective and that you're working that together as a team and then letting whoever has the, the, the best chance of reaching and connecting to your uh, student to let that person kind of take that lead. Does that, does that make sense? Um, so I was talking to Marie about this over this week, and she also mentioned, I didn't even think about it, but some social media stuff that, uh, again, Marie's kind of taking some of the lead in, in Melanie's stuff. Marie, you want to talk about social media stuff? Do it anyway. Um, it basically goes back to knowing who your kids are talking to. Um, she has Facebook and Instagram, but how she can't friend anyone without asking us. She can't say yes to anyone who has to be her friend without asking us. She asks if she could post things. We are constantly in that. We have her passwords, and we look at that. Um, we are friends with most of her friends. Um, we can build that trust a little bit at a time, but I'm still going to know who she is talking to. So, in short, be a part of your student's life, your teenager's life, together in unison with your spouse. Do this together as a family. Talk through stuff together as a family. That's good. So. All right. Well, that's, uh, that's all the time that we have um, <clears throat> for questions. Um, and, and I wanted to let you guys know, you know when we talked, uh, started to talk about this a little bit earlier almost, stole my own thunder, um, but we love to answer your questions. Not just in a series where we say, hey, send in your questions, but anytime, anytime. We, we want you to know, and I, heard, I, I think I've told this story before. At one time, I had somebody tell me that they thought I was intimidating. 
Um, they, they didn't want to come and talk to me because they were scared of me, which I, I laughed. Like, I, I don't view me as, as scary, but apparently, huh? They, yeah, they can, yeah, if you think I'm scary, go talk to Jonah. He's like a big old teddy bear. Like, he's just, he'll hug you and love on you, and he won't be mean to you at all. Like he's, just, he's great at that. No, um, but if you, if you have questions, um, if you have questions based on some of the answers that we gave to questions today, or if you had questions that you didn't get an opportunity to submit, or if you had a question that you submitted that we didn't have an opportunity to cover today, um, we, man, we want to talk to you. We want to answer your questions. So I'm going to put our email addresses up on the screen there. It's, it's pretty easy. Like it's just Jonah at, Brian at, Quentin at, FusionCityChurch.com. All right, that's, that's all there is to it. Um, our first name at FusionCityChurch.com. Pay special attention to how to spell Quentin's name because everybody gets it wrong. Um, but, it, man, if you have questions... We want to take those from you. So, so please, don't hesitate to shoot us an email, give us a phone call, hit us up on Facebook, um, whatever you want. We, we, want to, we, want to be a, we want this to be a conversation between, between your pastors and you. So if you have anything, please let us know. All right? And, man, can we just give it up for the wives a little bit? Can we just let them know how much we appreciate them? Here's the reality. Uh, and we... For whatever level of effectiveness that exists in our ministry, like we're not, I don't want to just say, hey, we're really effective and we, we're awesome. Like I don't want to do that. But for however awesome we are and for whatever measure of effectiveness we have achieved as the pastoral leadership team of Fusion City Church, it is absolutely a direct influence and representation of, of our wives and their ministry. There's so much behind the scenes, and there's so much that goes on that you don't get to see. And, you know, Quentin and I and Jonah, I and mean, we get to stand on the stage, and we get to be loud and talk to you like we know what we're talking about. And we get to open the Bible and learn stuff together, and it's awesome. But, but man, none of that happens without those women that are behind us. And so they're, they're still back behind stage, but can we just one more time, can y'all let them know that the Fusion City Church doesn't happen without them? Man, they're great. All right, guys. Well, hey, thank you so much for, for, for hanging out with us today. Um, in just a minute, we're, we're going to sing together. We like to close out our series by, by, by singing and close out our, our services by, by singing. And there's been a song in this series that's kind of been a theme. You know, I, don't, I don't think, I don't ever thought theme song. I didn't really put that together until I was just talking about it right now. But it's been a theme for this series, and it's Your Grace Finds Me. And families are complicated. Aren't they? Our families are complicated, right? You got, some, you got some family members that are complicated? I got some family members that are complicated. It's hard. And because it's hard, it means that we're not always going to get it right. That ideal that the Bible talks about, Ephesians 5, with, you know, wives submitting to husbands and husband loving wives and children obeying parents and parents training and instructing children. Man, it's, you read it and you're like, I'm going to go do that. Man, I don't get that right all the time. And I'm guessing that you probably don't either. But that's the ideal. That's what the Bible put in place for us. That's what God designed and determined family to look like. And even when we fail to, to, to meet the measure of the ideal and we, we, we live in something that's a little less, man, God's grace is there for us. His grace meets us where we are so that we have the space necessary to grow to what it is that he's designed and planned for us. So I want you to know that, man, just that God is with you in the fight. God is for you. God loves you in spite of how many times you mess it up. 
because he wants something better for you. So he gives us the grace necessary to grow into what it is that he has for us. And that's what this series has been all about. And I hope that, that you've gotten as much out of sitting and listening to it as I've got out of preparing and preaching it. Because, man, it's radically changed how I look at my wife and my kids and my parents and my grandparents and cousins, everybody. And I hope that it's changed you as well. So here's what I want to do. I want to pray for you. I want to pray with you. And then the band's going to come out. We're going to sing the series theme song together, Your Grace Finds Me. And I just pray that today that that would be a declaration of your heart. That, God, I believe that wherever I am and whatever I do and however right or wrong I get it, that you are there with me all the time. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. God, we, we love you. And we are so overwhelmed that, God, even in spite of our failures, in spite of the things that we get right, that, God, you're there in the midst And so, Father, right now we turn our attention to putting our trust in you. Because, God, we believe that wherever we are, that, God, you're there. We believe, Father, that we have access to your grace that meets us where we are in our families. When it's going great and when we run into conflict and complications, God, you're always there. You never leave. God, we're just so moved by that. I am. I know that so many others in this room are. And so, God, now would you give us the boldness to live life, to embrace conflict, to love our families, knowing that we don't do it alone, that we do it on the foundation of the grace that you extend to us when we don't get it right. So God, we thank you that you're there. Thank you that you love us. Thank you that you are for us. So God, now we turn our attention and our affections towards you. And God, as we prepare to stand and sing together right now, God, I pray that you would just continue to move in this place, that you would fill us, God, with this sense of purpose and how to love and lead our families. God, we love you. We thank you for your son, your family, that you sacrificed on behalf of us so that we could have the opportunity to come before you in prayer, to lift our concerns, to seek your face, to come to you, God, with the things that are, that are weighing us down and the things that we don't get right. God, thank you. Thank you for Jesus. It's in his name I pray. Amen and amen.